Yes, sir. Servant to thee, 
that thou mayest recover him of his leprosy. And it came to pass, when the king of Israel had read the letter, that he rent his clothes and said, Am I God to kill and to make alive? That this man doth send unto me to recover a man of his leprosy? Wherefore consider, I pray you, and see how he seeketh a quarrel against me. And it was so, when Elisha, the man of God, had heard that the king of Israel had rent his clothes, that he sent to the king, saying, Wherefore hast thou rent thy clothes? Let him come now to me, and he shall know that there is a prophet in Israel. So Naaman came with his horses and with his chariot and stood at the door of the house of Elisha. And Elisha sent a messenger unto him, saying, Go and wash in the Jordan seven times, and thy flesh shall come again to thee, and thou shalt be clean. But Naaman was wroth, and went away, and said, Behold, I thought he will surely come out to me, and stand, and call in the name of the Lord his God, and strike his hand over the place, and recover the leper. Are not Havana and Farpar rivers of Damascus better than the waters of Israel? May I not wash in them and be clean? So he turned and went away in a rage. And his servants came near and spake unto him and said, My father, if the prophet had bid thee to do some great thing, wouldst, wouldst thou not have done it? How much rather than when he said it to thee, Wash and be clean? Then went he down and dipped himself seven times in Jordan, according to the saying of the man of God. And his flesh came again like unto the flesh of a little child, and he was clean. And he returned to the man of God, he and all his company, and came and stood before him. And he said, Behold, now I know that there is no God in all the earth but in Israel. Now therefore I pray thee, Take a blessing of thy servant. But he said, As the Lord liveth, before whom I stand, I will receive none. And he urged him to take it, but he refused. And Nathan said, Shall there not then, I pray thee, be given to thy servant two mules' burden of earth? For thy servant will henceforth offer neither burnt offering nor sacrifice unto other gods, but unto the Lord. In this thing the Lord pardon thy servant, that when my master goeth into the house of Rimon to worship there, and he leaned on my hand, and I bow myself in the house of Rimon, when I bow down myself in the house of Rimon, the Lord pardon thy servant in this thing. And he said unto him, Go in peace. So he departed from him a little way. An unforgettable thanksgiving in the Old Testament. Last week we heard of an unforgettable thanksgiving in the New Testament. And now one in the Old. The name Naaman means gracious and fair. He was a captain or the supreme commander of the host of Syria. A great man of high social standing, honorable in the eyes of all, including the king, for he was a mighty man of valor. And because of his shrewd leadership, the shrewd leadership of this one man, many military victories were won. 
But notice who is the power even behind him. Verse 1. By him the Lord had given deliverances or deliverance unto Syria. There was another powerful heathen leader that testified, and I'm quoting to you from Daniel chapter 4. He mentions his name in Daniel chapter 4. And all the inhabitants of the earth are reputed as nothing. And he doeth according to his will, meaning God's will, in the army of heaven, and among the inhabitants of the earth. And none can stay his hand, hold back his hand, or say unto him, What doest thou? Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise, extol, and honor the king of heaven. All whose works are truth, and his ways judgment, and those that walk in pride, he is able to abase. Naaman was blessed in so many ways, but he was soon to be blessed in a way that he had not yet been blessed before. Naaman would show himself to be amongst God's elect. Elect according to the foreknowledge of God, as we read in 1 Peter. Naaman would be the recipient, at God's good pleasure, of the kingdom. Fear not, my little flock. It is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. He would receive that, as many of us have received yet. To do that, he, we, must be brought down. That he, we, may be lifted up. Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he cares. Underlying condition. We hear a lot about underlying conditions, right? And, and, and rightly so, because underlying conditions could cost you your life. In verse 1, he had an underlying condition that is named. He was a leper. It says at the end, but he was a leper. It has all these accolades, and at the end it says, but he was a leper. There's nothing more humbling than having a life-threatening condition to make you bold. Adam, Adam's broken relationship and ours as well through him, with God is the root, is the root of it all, is the root of sickness, is the root of suffering, is the root of all those maladies that have come upon the face of this earth. There's a spiritual worldwide pandemic. Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world and death by sin. And so death passed upon all men and that all have sinned in short the glory of God. Is there any cure? Now we're going back to the storyline and of course, we're looking at this like this, right? There's, there's the human dimension and there's the divine. I won't reread what we just read, but I will allude to it. Naaman 
had led the Syrian army into these uh, penetrating attacks upon its neighbor Israel. And in one instance, he had captured a, a little maid that he made his wife's maid. And she testified one day to her mistress of her faith in God. She said, would God my Lord were with the prophet that is in Samaria, not, not in Syria, not in Israel, Samaria, for he would recover him of his leprosy. She was absolutely confident of that, even though even though in Israel, Elisha never was used in healing one leper, as we will note later. Word reached the ears of the Syrian king. His name was Ben-Hadid. Ben-Hadid. Who immediately acted on this hunch. And so he sends what appears to be an executive order commanding the king of Israel, Jehoram, to have Naaman healed. In fact, he put it this way. He says, Behold, I have therewith sent Naaman my servant to thee, that thou mayest recover him of his leprosy. As if the king was going to do it, and that's how he took it. He didn't understand that there's an intermediary, just like there is in salvation. There's one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. In this case, it would be the prophet of God, Elisha. He didn't, he didn't. That was not in the discussion. That was not in the equation in his mind. And so he was between and betwixt. Yes, he was. Here he gets this executive order, and then along with comes this gift of money, and the equivalent of all of this was about $1.2 million in our standard. And expensive clothes, 10 cents. I mean, that's more than one new one a week. I got a new suit for my birthday. Uh, roadblock, roadblock. It says in verse seven and eight, and it came to pass, and the king of Israel had read the letter. Then he rent his clothes. Can you imagine me doing that? In this book? I, mean, I would not do it anyway. And said, am I God to kill and to make alive? That this man doth send unto me to recover a man of his leprosy? Am I God to heal him? Wherefore consider, I pray you, and see how he seeks a quote against me. He's just setting me up so that he can start another war. That's what it is. So King Jehoram was distressed, I tell you. How, how many of you have felt distressed lately? Or stress? Oh, yes. <laughs> and if, you, and if, you, if you've never been distressed, distressed or distressed, you're a liar. <laughs> King Jehoram was distressed. Who does he think I am? No doubt Ben Haddad wants to start a war. That's what it boils down to. But when Elisha the prophet hears about Jehoram's distress and stress, he sends a messenger to tell the king of Israel 
Joram, to send Naaman to his house. Send him over here, you know, send him to Samaria, which is, you know, it's a good distance away. It's farther than the crow flies, as the saying goes. Because he was concerned for his king. Imagine carrying his clothes, his royal garments, you know. That's, that's not necessary. That's not necessary for the, for the reason that he tore them. You know, a lot of times we, we uh, get uh, stressed out about things that we shouldn't, especially when it comes to our daily bread. And we think, oh, where will it come from next? When all the while we have a, a mighty God, we have an all-powerful God, we have a God who has promised to supply all of our need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. It's because of Jesus that he will do this for us. He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, shall he not freely with him give us all things, the word of God promises. The Apostle Paul goes on to say, And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the call according to his purpose. Are you that? Are you that? If you are, shame on you. If you are, over spilled milk. Lo and behold, comes healing. So Naaman came with his horses and with his chariot. Can you imagine that? The entourage that showed up at this poor prophet's abode. And Elisha sends a messenger out to him, saying to him, go wash in the Jordan seven times, and your flesh will return to its natural condition, and you'll be healed. Oh, Naaman was so upset. Naaman was so angry. His dignity was bruised, right? His pride was, was, was bruised. And he went away in a huff. Oh, I thought he would surely come out and talk to me and just call the name of God and, and, and remove the curse from the land upon which I stand and redeem it, redeem it from his God and recover the land, as he says. Are not Abana and Parfar, rivers of Jordan or Damascus, better than all the waters of Israel? Yeah, not washing them and be clean. So he turns and walks away in a total rage. I mean, he is just so outraged. Sadly, that's part of the problem. That's part of the problem is that we are angry with God over not getting things the way we think that, that they should come to us. Or getting the things that we think and not the things that God wants for us that we need. And so what happens is his service who are seeing all of this going on, right? Who are seeing this scenario. Say, oh, my father, our father. So the father said, oh, come here. We need to talk to you. We need to have a talk. If he were to tell you to do something spectacular, something that is just grandiose, would you have done it? Well, how about just doing what he says and be washed and be clean? And so he has a change of heart and change of mind. And, and so that's what he does. Is he goes right to the Jordan River, which is about 25 miles away. And he does exactly as the prophet 
God tells him. And lo and behold, by the seventh time, he dips into the water and comes up, and whoa, it's all gone. His, his cancer of the skin is all gone, or leprosy is all gone. And so, that's what we need to do. You know, to use the argument that this is not God's way. We have a better, cleaner river. In fact, we have two. The Abana River begins in the mountains of Lebanon, pristine waters that water the city of Damascus and provide beautiful orchids and gardens. Parfar River flowing from the east, from Mount Hermon of all places, which is in Israel, to southern Damascus. And you're asking me to wash in muddy waters, the muddy Jordan River? But you see, the issue is never the quality of the water, but obedience to the Word of God. And that's how it is in our lives, because so often we, again, think too much. Or when we read the Bible, we read into the Bible more than we should, rather than reading it for what it is. Starting with the context of Scripture, and then going to the outer context of, of, of the chapter, or of the book, or finally the whole Bible, and, and making sure that we are letting Scripture interpret itself. Because Scripture, after all, is God's, is the Bible's best interpreter. Because this is the Word of God that lives and abides forever. Our flesh is as grass. Our glory is as the flower of grass. The grass withered, the flower thereof falleth away. But the Word of our God endureth forever. And this is the Word which by the Gospel I preach unto you. Are you listening? Are you hearing? And so David obeyed God by obeying the prophet of God. And his leprosy went away. Leprosy back then was more of a skin condition, whereas in our time it's more of a nerve-related condition. But lo and behold, he is healed, and his skin is, is soft, and is fresh like a newborn baby. Like our newborn Savior that we commemorate his birth and incarnation and celebrate on the fourth. And then comes Thanksgiving. It says in verse 15, and he returned to the man of God. He had all his company and came, and this time he stood before the man. He, Elisha came out. But Elisha knew what happened. You know, those who know the Word of God know what the outcome is going to be. And that's why you need to be in the Word of God. So you know what the outcome is going to be. Better than what you thought you knew before. When you were second-guessing God. And so he's there, and of course, Naaman and his company arrive. And what does Elisha hear? I know that there is no God in all the earth, but in Israel. He is making a confession of faith. It's like the confession in the New Testament. 
that we are told to make. You will confess me before men. I will confess you before my Father and his angels in heaven. But if you should deny me before men, so will I deny you before my Father and for his angels in heaven. This man was a changed man. He was a new man. He was a new creature in Christ. He returned to Elijah's house to tell the good news of what had happened to him. Not knowing that there was going to be an even greater, or not knowing that there was also an even greater happening in his life than his physical healing. There was his spiritual healing. There was the healing of his soul from false religion, from idolatry, to the faith in the only true God. Like John would say, and this is life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. This is the faith that he has now. This is the true faith and the true God. And then you'll notice that he wants to give a blessing to Elisha. Notice, he doesn't say a gift. He says a blessing. A blessing. You see how even his language is beginning to change now. Thanks is the natural expression of a saved like another leper in Jesus' day, who when he was healed, turned back, when we heard about last week, and with a loud voice glorified God, fell down on his face, and gave thanks to Jesus, which our Lord asked him. Where are the other nine? I thought I had healed and cleansed ten. There is not found that return to the glory to God save this Samaritan. Isn't it sad that the people that you expect praises to come out of, you don't hear them that much? You don't see the outward manifestation of that gratitude? You don't see the desire to live to the glory of God and to bear witness to the risen God. I mean, this man went out of his way. He could have just gone on home, right, to Damascus, right? I'm healed now. I can resume my life before, and now I'm good to go. I've got it all together. But no, he had to make that, that stop. He had to go out of his way. 25 miles out of his way, well, more than that, because then he still had to go home in order to confess his faith to tell the good news and to give glory to God. This is what happened. This is what happened because this man came to save the faith in the true God. Now, Elijah refused any gift, as you, as you uh, heard, right? He, he wouldn't take that gift. It's like Peter when he refused uh, uh, Simon uh, Magnus to give him a gift. When, uh, he was trying to buy the Holy Spirit. Okay, there's some who want to purchase the Holy Spirit thinking that uh, you could buy a gift. Duh, right? <laughs> that didn't make sense. And Peter said to him, Thy money perish with thee, because thou hast thought that the gift of God may be purchased with money. There are many religious systems out there that are based upon this. 
Yet the Bible makes it very plain. For as much as you are not redeemed with silver and gold received from your vain conversation or lifestyle, but with the precious blood of Christ, I'll have enough blood to without spot. Oh, how dark the visible church can get. And yet, we have examples like this that happen here and there that give us a wake-up call or cause us to smell the roses, even the rose of Sharon. Ho, everyone that thirsteth, come ye to the waters, and he that hath no money, come ye buy and drink. Come buy without money, without price. Especially if what you're given is to come a newborn baby of Christ. Thanks be to God for this unspeakable gift. And by the way, I might note that. There's another issue. That is, in the confirmation of his faith, uh, certainly that confession was, was good enough. When people call out, on the, call out to the Lord and begin to tell others about Jesus, even if they stumble over their words, and even though they don't really preach, they really more testify. That's okay. we got to start somewhere, right? Well, Naaman... He says in verse 17, Shall there not then, I pray thee, be given to thy servant two mules' burden of earth? What are you talking about? Well, let me finish the rest of the verse. For thy servant will henceforth offer neither burnt offering nor sacrifice unto other gods, but unto the Lord. You see, what that's about is this, and that is that in other, uh, in, in, in other lands, in ancient times, it was thought that the God of that land should be worshipped on that land. And so his idea was, if I took a bunch of soil you know, from Israel and bring with me, I can put that in Damascus or wherever his house is, in the backyard, and then, of course, offer sacrifices there. Okay, that was his thinking. So he had the right motivation but he, he didn't have the truth yet. He, he was a babe in Christ, right? Still drinking milk, and that's why that. Um, and he would even ask forgiveness ahead of time for going into the house of Rimon, who was uh, the Syrian god, or idol. Also, uh, Rimon means pomegranate, which we probably had a lot of, just like we have here in Southern California. And, uh, he said uh, in advance, well, when I do that, when I go to the religious services of Rimba to accompany my king, because he's going to expect me to be there at his right hand, of course, the Lord pardon me for doing that. So you see, he has a lot to learn, right? He asked forgiveness in advance for accompanying his king in his religious service to Rimon, the Syrian God. He was yet to learn more about the sovereignty of God and how the earth is the Lord's, and the fullness thereof, and they that dwell therein. Nevertheless, a greater cleansing had come into his life, like the Bible says, by the stripes we are healed. In conclusion, as 
already mentioned how Covenant Israel is like much of the visible church today. The Lord's not working there. Like our Lord talks about in Luke 4.27, Luke 4.27, says, and many lepers were in Israel in the time of Elisha, that's Elijah, Elisha, the prophet, and none of them was cleansed, saving Naaman, the Syrian. There you have it. Our Lord is at work out there. He's at work in here, but he's also at work out there. And that's why we need to have that, incorporate that as part of the work. You see? We are asking that, that God work in us, that God shepherd us, that God lead us and guide us, but also that he begin a good work in others to bring them to this kingdom. Because he is doing a work out there. In the Naamans of the world, in the Samaritans of the world, other sheep I have, which are not of this fold, them also I must bring, and there will be one fold and one shepherd. How shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation? Which at the first began to be spoken by our Lord and was confirmed unto us by them that heard him, God also bearing them witness, both with signs and wonders and with diverse miracles and gifts of the Holy Spirit according to his will. So, don't neglect so great salvation. Keep working on it. Keep cultivating that. Keep beautifying that in your soul, which is Christ's. Make sure you're saved if you're not yet a child of God. Make your calling election sure, for if you do these things, you shall never fall, for so an entrance will be ministered unto you in the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. There's a lot at stake, and not just for you, but for those around you. Don't neglect to tell others of the great blessing and the countless blessings that flow from that great blessing because of the work of Christ on Calvary and in the empty tomb and at the Father's right hand. If you have received such a blessing and blessings, don't you want to tell others about it? And above all, don't forget to thank God yourself. Shall we pray? Father in heaven, we are thankful for this example of thanksgiving, unforgettable thanksgiving in the Old Testament, even as we thank you, Lord, for the unforgettable blessing of the Samaritan and the youth. 